Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. As we turn our hearts to the word of the Lord for us today, let's take a moment to pray. Oh, holy God, we pray that you open our hearts and minds so that we can receive the word that you have prepared for each of us to receive today. Lord, we know that without your Holy Spirit opening our minds to understand your truth, that the Bible becomes words, but the Bible has power. It has your power, and we pray, Lord, that you bring that power to us today as we hear your word read and proclaimed. Lord God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in thy sight. Lord God, you are our rock, and you are our redeemer. It is in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. It's my pleasure to have our pastoral care ministry associate, Laura Duffy, to read our scripture passage today. Hear the word of the Lord from Jonah 1:17 to 2:10. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Laura. Well, since childhood, most of us have heard this story, haven't we? I imagine you too can remember those days in Sunday school when we had the coloring page or the craft of a smiling Jonah sitting contentedly inside the belly of a great, big, friendly whale. But as adults, what are we supposed to do with this story? Should we actually believe that God did provide a great fish 
to swallow up Jonah? That he grabbed him out of the water just at that moment where he was sinking down, down, down to certain death in the sea. As improbable as Jonah's story seems, Jesus himself tells us to believe it. Jesus, according to Matthew's gospel, referred to this as the sign of Jonah. He said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will also be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah, who was God's uncooperative prophet, was unknowingly pointing us to a later day when God would do another unbelievable thing. God would raise his son after three days and three nights in the grave. Another surprising argument for Jonah's authenticity is his prominent spot in Michelangelo's mural in the Sistine Chapel. While I've never actually seen this in person, it is somewhat surprising, I wonder if you agree with me, to see what the quite noticeable focal point is in the top of the main wall. And I know that picture is very small for you to see, but there above the altar and above Jesus and the dramatic portrayal of the last judgment is none other than Jonah. And he's pretty huge too. Why did Michelangelo choose to feature him there? Seemingly, it was because of Jonah's prophetic role in acting out the coming death and resurrection of Jesus. In Michelangelo's painting, Jonah has a big fish, if you can see it there, nibbling on his thigh. And fish experts have determined that this is a tarpon. And if you follow Jonah's gaze... He's directing our eyes to the beginning of God's story, to the painted portrayal of the creation, which begins in the ceiling above him. And if we were to follow all the paintings in order, all around the ceiling and the walls, we would see all the ways that God has been at work <clears throat> for our salvation since the beginning of our human world. While it is fascinating to speculate about what kind of fish could have possibly swallowed Jonah alive, whether it's a whale or a tarpon, the most important thing is to focus on the way that God is even able to rescue us in the most seemingly hopeless circumstances. In the extreme fierceness of the storm, the sailors saw no other way to appease God, to quiet the raging waves, <clears throat> than to throw Jonah overboard to certain death. And Jonah agreed with them. He knew that God has sent this punishment because he had disobeyed God's command. In Prophet School 101, I'm pretty sure that the first lesson is probably do what God asks, Say what God says, and never ever say no to God. And Jonah had known what he should have done, but he just couldn't bring himself to do it. He absolutely refused to offer God's salvation to the Assyrians in Nineveh 
because he hated them so much. I think Jonah did what many of us might have done or maybe have done. Jonah tried to run as far away from God as he could, taking the first ship he could find to the farthest place he could sail. He found out that God wasn't willing to let him run away so easily. Inside the fish, after Jonah realized that he hadn't drowned and that he was still breathing, Jonah had a lot of time to rethink his relationship with God. First, Jonah remembered that in his distress, he had called to the Lord. And much to Jonah's surprise, despite all of his disobedience, the Lord had answered Jonah. He answered his plea for help. And Jonah then gratefully admitted to God, from the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Now some people read Jonah's prayer and consider it only half-hearted. And they can only see Jonah's self-centeredness in it. But personally, I see it as a real kind of prayer that all of us might pray. It's because we know the rest of Jonah's story that it's obvious when Jonah prayed this prayer, he still had a long way to go to learn the lessons that God had for him about the wideness of his grace. But look at the heartfelt sentiment in his prayer. I think it's certainly the right step in the right direction. In it, we do see bits of the other Psalms in the Bible, but that's what prophets like Jonah excelled at. They knew the Psalms and they also wrote Psalms. In his prayer, Jonah acknowledged that it was God who created the storm and orchestrated his being tossed out of the ship into the sea. And Jonah prayed, God, you hurled me into the sea, into the very heart of the, of the deep. Your waves swept over me as he was sinking into the sea. No doubt Jonah felt like he had been banished from the sight of God. As the seaweed pulled him down into the deep, Jonah could feel his life ebbing away. It appears that Jonah thought he was going to die. So he did what we all would probably do at such a moment, he prayed. Jonah prayed to God's holy temple, which is the place where all Hebrews thought that God would hear them. And it also appears that Jonah didn't know if he would ever leave the fish. But it was enough for Jonah to know that God had reached out to him and that he would forgive him. But God did something far more than that, didn't he? In such an unexpected way, God instead provided a very unique lifeboat to give Jonah a second chance. For three days and three nights, Jonah was inside that great fish as it swam. And I'm just imagining what that must have been like, right? It must have been squishy. Very dark, probably pretty smelly. Imagine there was, wasn't much wiggle room in there either. It is truly a miracle that Jonah could even breathe in there. In the dark hours that turned into days with no way out, Jonah would have had a lot of time to think and to reflect 
and to re-examine his attitude towards God. And you know, that's exactly what God wanted to happen. Have you been there? Have you been to that dark place where you were forced to look to God and to reassess your relationship with him? If so, you're in good company. The Psalms are full of people who look to God for those times of trouble in their lives, specifically King David. He wrote, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. The Lord turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He reached down from on high and he took hold of me and he drew me out of the deep waters. Now to be clear, I don't believe that all the storms in our life are caused by our disobedience. No, some might be, but we all know too well, don't we, from our own personal experience that some tragedies are just unexplainable this side of heaven. When our lives get turned upside down and forever changed by shattering loss, we realize that our human condition is far more fragile and far less permanent than we believed. Most of all, in life's struggles, we realize the limits of our own control, and we learn that we do really need God. So what can we learn from Jonah's story? First, we can see that Psalm 139 got it right. There is nowhere where we can hide from God. If we go down to the deepest depths, he is there. If we go to the highest heavens, he is there. We are never outside of God's reach. Even in the darkest places, God sees us. God is there and answers our cry for help. Second, we take our cue from Jonah and pray. When Jonah realized that God was saving him, even though he knew he was undeserving, Jonah sang a song, and it was a song of thanksgiving. Without knowing what fate lay ahead of him, Jonah seemed seemingly grateful when he prayed, but you, O Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Despite being stuck in a fish, there was Jonah praising God. It's not easy to praise God when we're going through a hard time, is it? But what happens when we do praise God in the midst of whatever storm we find ourselves in? For one thing, we raise our focus from the pit to the provider, and we find hope. With the help of God's Holy Spirit, we are able to realign our heart in our mind with the truth of God's love and grace and expose those lies that want to drag us down. Finally, we see in Jonah's story that God loves to rescue the prodigal and give second chances. It appears that God was waiting for Jonah, still in the fish, to reach that point of repentance and surrender. And when Jonah made that vow to worship God and to serve God, God freed him from his time out. With Jonah's change of heart, God commanded that great fish to vomit Jonah out onto dry land. What a sight that must have been. We're not told exactly where on dry land Jonah landed, 
Some say that the fish delivered him directly to Nineveh. But if you notice how far away Nineveh is from the shore of the Mediterranean Sea, you see how difficult that would have been. Given that there appears to be no direct water route to Nineveh. Some speculate that if the fish was a super swimmer, he could have found a way into the Red Sea, which is indicated by the red arrow, and then swam around to the Arabian Sea and then into the Gulf of Oman, into that Strait of Hormuz, and into the Persian Gulf and up the Tigris River, and then spit him onto the shores in Nineveh. It seems more probable that Jonah landed on the shore of the Mediterranean on the coast of Phoenicia, which is indicated by the yellow arrow, and traveled many hundred of miles to Nineveh, either on foot or by caravan. Of course, God can do all things beyond our wildest speculation or imagining. If there were people around to witness the ejection of Jonah from the fish, they definitely would have something to talk about, wouldn't they? You see, the Phoenicians and the Ninevites, they worshipped a god named Dagon. And Dagon was, of all things, a fish god. Dagon is mentioned as being worshipped by the Philistines several times in the Bible. In 1 Samuel, we learn that story of what God did to the statue of Dagon after the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant during a battle. The Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of Dagon, and they were celebrating the triumph over their God, of their God over the Israelites' God. But God, the Israelites' God, kept causing the statue of Dagon, Dagon to fall over in front of the Ark. And the final time that Dagon fell over in front of the Ark, he lost his head and he lost his arms. And then to get them to release the ark, God set a plague upon the Philistines. You see, God does have a sense of humor, doesn't he? Seemingly, God used his great fish to deliver Jonah in order to display his powers over all fish, including the fake fish god of Nineveh. And what does Jonah's journey teach us about God's grace in our own lives? I think it's a reminder that God hears our cry for help wherever we are. And the key is always to turn first to God and not get swallowed up by our anxiety and our fear. We will all disobey God at some point in our lives. It's just our human nature. But like Jonah, we are assured that because of God's grace toward us, he won't discard us. God, in fact, welcomes us into his arms when we come to him and we repent with sincerity. Jonah's primary wish was that he would always be in the presence of the Lord, whether on this earth or forever in eternity. God does promise everyone who belongs to him and honors him with their heart and confesses him as their Lord and Savior, that they will be his now and forever. Now, thousands of years after Jonah lived, we have a better promise of God's grace than he did. We have received God's son, Jesus, who has reached down and pulled us up into the shelter of his love. 
If we just keep our eyes on Jesus, no matter how threatening our circumstances are, he promises to hold us fast and walk with us through the darkest valleys, and he promises never to leave us or forsake us. Thanks be to God for his amazing grace toward you and me. By the grace of God, for the glory of God. Amen. And now we turn our hearts to God together as his people, lifting our prayers and petitions up before him. Let us pray. O great and loving God, your will for us in Jesus is the peace which the world cannot give. Your abiding gift is the advocate he promised. Calm all troubled hearts, dispel every fear. Keep us steadfast in love and faithful to your word, following the call you have placed on our lives. We pray today for those who suffer, those whom we know, and those whom we do not. We pray, Lord God, for your loving mercy to surround and protect and be poured out on the mind, body, soul of all in need of your healing mercy. Oh Lord, we give you thanks on this Mother's Day for parents who have nurtured us in the faith, watched over and loved us. We also pray for those who grieve over loss on this particular day. Be close to tender hearts and fill them with your love and with your abundance of your mercy and grace. Oh Lord, we lift up your world knowing that it is broken, praying your spirit of healing upon us all. Lord, we pray for our country and we ask for your forgiveness where we have turned from honoring you. We pray for those who struggle to provide for their families. We pray that hatred will cease and violence will be no more. We pray that you bless our leaders with your spirit of truth so that our laws and practice will reflect your will and not our own. Lord God, we pray for your church right here in this place and around the world. Strengthen and convict and guide us so that the light we shine will reflect your spirit in truth and grace and love. And Lord, we pause to pray now for those whom we love. We pray that they will turn to you and by faith become joined to your son and be brought into your kingdom. Hear us now as we pray for them in the quiet of our hearts. Bless us, Lord, so that we will be your people in everything that we say and do and be faithful to the calling that you have placed on our lives. And hear us now as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now stand together as we say what we believe together using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.